another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who wants to scream at the top of his lungs because he's just found out there's no such thing as the real world. And it's just a lie that he's got to rise above. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Uh, hola, Ben Hameen. So for this episode, we have a special guest. His recent single, If I Lost You, has been in heavy rotation for me the, the past several weeks. He just finished a little touring with one of our past guests, Katie Tupin. So please welcome to the podcast, Grayson Foster. What's up, guys? Happy to be here. Yeah. So premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each podcast, I ask the all-important question. Let's start with Grayson. So what t-shirt are you wearing? I am wearing a Carrie Fisher t-shirt, sort of like a Remembrance Rest in Peace t-shirt that I, I like to wear when when I'm feeling down. It makes me feel happy. There you go. And you wore that in one of your videos, I think, right? Yeah, actually, I, that's true. I did wear that in the, uh, the If I Lost You video. There you go. All right. And you are not the first one of our guests who have worn a Star Wars themed t-shirt i think i think wayne what are we up to like four or five guests now that have worn a star I've, wars I've shirt? Wore, i wore one i also got one for we were supposed to record on may the may the 4th last year and we ended up not so i still have another one but yeah we've had at least four guests with star wars shirts five now oh yeah. man that's awesome i have a yeah. closet full of them you're you're in good company. So, so so have you have you seen or watched the 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 new Disney Plus? Oh, I love it. Uh, the Mandalorian. Yes. yes. Oh, that is a uh, Baby Yoda is the cutest thing ever in the world. Yeah, it's a really cool show. I'm so surprised at how they can set like such a cool tone with the lead character who you never see his face and you can't you know you see any emotion, but it's cool. Oh yeah, yeah. It's I, I I'm I'm enjoying that a lot. I still have not watched it yet, so I'll get I'll get to it eventually. Stupid podcast editing <laughs> that always gets in gets in my uh, Netflix and Disney Plus viewing uh, viewing time frame. So uh, I do just I want to mention since we're on the topic of Star Wars, I'll get it all out now because um, I'm slightly obsessed. But since you guys are a podcast, uh, I did want to give one other sh- uh, podcast shout out for a Star Wars related podcast. It's called Star Wars okay. Minute. Um, they go through every minute of every Star Wars movie, and every episode is just about one minute. So it's like a Star Wars nerd's dream. Wow. <laughs> I have to check that out. That's <laughs> it's the podcast really cool. that is going to go on forever then, if that's yeah, the case. They sort of curse themselves. They talk about it a lot because all these new movies are coming out where they're like, oh, we have to do these too. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. So, uh, Wayne, what, what shirt are you wearing? Uh, a couple. Well, after Tom from the Menzingers was on, I went on the Epitaph Records website to try to find a Menzinger shirt that I liked. I didn't see any on there, but I seen a really cool rancid shirt. Um, so I'm wearing that. All right. Well, um, I'm actually going to go see the Menzingers tonight. So um, I'll, I'll be picking you up a shirt. Awesome. Actually, I shouldn't have even said that because that was what I was planning on giving you for oh. Christmas. Ooh. Damn it. Damn. Spoiler alert. Oh, oh well. Well, you know, you always know, though, I think, when I buy you a shirt. <laughs> Usually, yeah. You, which one do you like? Right, exactly. So it's not really much of a, a surprise. It's just, yeah. All right. Well, um, the T-shirt I'm wearing. So I'm wearing a Shake Baby Shake T-shirt All right. from Katie Tupin. 
Yes. So we had her on the podcast a couple months ago, and uh, I was kind of joking with her about how uh, I didn't win her Instagram t-shirt contest. And she was like, I'll just send you one. So, um, so yeah, spoils, spoils of the, of doing the podcast is every once in a while we get some free t-shirts. So I'm wearing my free t-shirt from Katie. There you go. Yeah. So you just finished a tour with her. Yes. Oh my gosh. It was so much fun. You, she, so she, she almost overshares on Instagram. (laughs) <laughs> and so, and so she she did have a lot of videos. It did look like that like you guys were having a ton of fun. Yeah, it was great, man. It was like a it, that's the first sort of um, tour that I've gone on where I didn't book any of the shows and I wasn't responsible for any of the you know day to day stuff. I could just you know ride in the van and then play my opening set. So it was a really really fun time with some great musicians, and I learned a bunch from Katie. Cool, cool. Did she tell you what record she chose for our uh, our podcast? Yeah, she did an Elton John record, right? Yeah, Tumbleweed Connection. That's right. Which uh, I'm super, I'm super happy that she chose that because um, "Son of Your Father," I think that's the name of it. That was a, isn't that, it your father's that, gun? No, that's that's another that's oh. another song off of off of the record. But uh, that uh, that ended up being on heavy rotation for me that and amarina Mm -hmm. great song great song as well yeah she's Um, got a a really good ear she's been throwing some bands my way um she got me into dr dog recently which i hadn't started listening to them and some pretty cool stuff yeah uh she uh did she introduce you to marcus king or did you already know marcus king so i'm actually uh i'm from charlotte and then i went to school in clemson and the coast closest music scene to that is in greenville and that's where marcus kind of like made his start yeah and so i was playing when i was playing in a college band down there he was like he was the guitar guy gotcha so we go see him yeah yeah he's he's awesome um and he just put out a solo record right yeah he did yeah i mean he's he's good i've i've not had a chance to check that out i'm about three months behind on my listing um I just got around to listening to the Joe Henry record, which uh, Wayne I already told you about on the previous previous yeah. episode. Looking so. forward to that. Yeah, the the listening to music for the the podcast kind of throws <laughs> off me uh, keep keeping abreast of any of the new music that's coming out. So, um, so, so, what else should should I be listening to that uh, Grayson Foster is listening to these days? Oh man, um, do you uh, are you familiar with Bahamas? Uh, no, I don't think so. So um, his name is oh, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. But it's Afi Jervinen. He's Canadian. He was the guitar player in Feist. Oh okay. And he yeah, had, yeah he has a project um, with Brushfire Records, and his most recent uh, record he did with um, a couple of the guys in D'Angelo's band. More, most importantly, Pino Palladino on the bass. Uh, who actually is all over who's all over the record we're about to talk about nice tie-in yeah yeah exactly uh, it's called earth tones though that's something i would definitely go check out okay hmm. all right yeah. put that on put that on my list as well yeah let me make your list longer yeah exactly <laughs> exactly well so so grayson tell us about you because there's not a whole lot of info on your website it just 
it just essentially says, you know, some dude that likes music or something to that effect, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm still I'm still trying to build build that sort of what part is from my story I want to have on like my bio and such. Like I just recently checked my Facebook bio and it says I'm a 24 year old indie singer songwriter and I am most definitely not 24. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I'm I'm 26 now, but um, but yeah. So I I grew up in Charlotte. I you know, always had an interest in music. I would sing in choir. I did um, like like opera stuff and musical theater a little bit. Okay. Um, and, you know, learned how to play the guitar because I wanted to impress girls. And then when I went to college, I, uh, I, I had some friends who also played pretty casually. And um, I think one night, one of them was like, hey, if we if I get a gig, will you play it? And I was like, sure, not thinking he would do it. And then he showed up the next day and was like, I got us a gig. And so we started playing. I fell in love with it and I couldn't get enough. And then we came up to Nashville to make a record. And once I did that, I was I was hooked for sure. So still in Charlotte or where are you at now? No, I live in I I moved to Nashville the day I graduated. I left and I moved to Nashville. (laughs) You, you're not the, the, the first of our musician guests who have said the same thing. Essentially, uh, as soon as I graduated from college, I moved to where there's music. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, and so I guess the guitar playing that worked, because I saw you've got a video of you proposing to your girlfriend. So congrats yes. on that. Thank you. Oh, we engaged. Cool. Thank you. It did work. She... Uh, we have a we have a funny joke. We have differing opinions on the first time we met because it was at a college show that I was playing. But she she claims that she didn't see me on stage. But I think that was a lie. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's so sweet. So so tell us some other stuff ab- about you, except the fact that you know you like to dress up as a Tetris piece, which that's a that's a reference to your to your video. If I lost you, right? Yeah. Very good. Yeah, that was, that was fun. Um, I sort of came up with that concept, you know, while we were writing the song that, that happens to me a lot in these rights around Nashville. Um, I love my favorite way to write music is to go with a producer, one other songwriter and, um, just kind of use them as like a buffer, you know, like an editor per se. So I can just throw a bunch of ideas at them. And uh, this one producer was really good at kind of sifting through all my ideas so much to the fact that when he was working on the song, I like in my mind came up with this whole music video concept. Cool. Um, So, yeah, that's a little bit about me and how my brain works, I guess. So who came up with the idea on the song? So at at the beginning of it, you sing one line and then you go into kind of an extra uh, post intro or. I don't even know what you would call it. Um, you kind of you kind of tease it at the beginning, and then you you know do a little more music, and then you launch into the the, the lyrics. So yeah, I gave him the old James Blunt, you know, on uh, on oh, You're Beautiful. Yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. He just he just goes, my life is brilliant, right, <laughs> and that's it. Um, I don't know. I like that we were we kind of built up the. Uh, I had the chord progression that I'd written earlier that day, and then when we got into the session, we just built a little bit around it. And I was kind of like mumbling to myself like I normally do. And he goes, what did you just say? And I said, oh, I said, sometimes I really hate myself. And he goes, that's really good. (laughs) So we just kind of went with it. Cool. Cool. Nice. Sometimes I really hate myself. Mm -hmm. 
picture on my bedroom shelf makes it all okay. And I know it's just a mood swing, baby. At least it's not as frequent lately. Sometimes I really hate myself. But if I lost How about the song Monkey Bars and Star Wars Cards? Where 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 did that song come from? And are you even oh. old, old enough to even have Star Wars cards? Like I feel like that's that's from Wayne and my generation, not not exactly <laughs> from your generation. Well, I uh I, I got my hands on some when I was when I was younger and and even more today I kind of look out for that stuff. Um I I much prefer the old uh you know vintage Star Wars stuff. Like, for instance, I'm I'm at my desk right now, and I'm looking at an old uh, Darth Vader Pez dispenser. Uh, I have the the most recent Han Solo comic, and then I also have a VHS tape of the Phantom Menace. <laughs> okay, so you really are a Star Wars nerd, then? Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, yeah. official. Okay, yeah. We're Wayne and I are not at that level. Maybe that's maybe, okay. Maybe we were, you know, forty years ago, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My my lunchbox got ran over at uh, at school. I oh never no! The same after that. <laughs> no, those things are priceless, and are supposed to be indestructible. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, uh, well, I guess he didn't technically destroy it. He just changed the shape of it drastically. <laughs> and I don't want to tell you how many of my Star Wars figures lost their heads in you know different battles. So, That's the way it goes. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan of keeping it in the box. You got to, you got. Uh, I, I don't even understand the concept of that as a child. Like I, I wouldn't have. That was the first. I'd opened it before we got out of the store. Like they were just ringing up the 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 cardboard piece with the with the barcode on it. I'd already had the thing out and the gun yeah. in his hand and everything. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, I'd be I'd be super surprised if anybody still has the lightsabers or the guns, though. I mean, those are in couch, crevi- <laughs> couch crevices across America. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. bottom of vacuum cleaner bags all over the world. Yeah. Totally. We'll hang from monkey bars. Swing off them. I'd give you my Star Wars cards. If you want it. So the so we talked about the video for if I lost you and that wasn't your first video so you did a, a video for the song rain and you got all right all, yeah I you got all painted up for that one yes yeah love the face paint um, yeah rain I did that with a buddy named Jude Smith who's a excellent guitar player and musician just all around great guy and but the uh, if I lost you was the first one that I directed so that was like a, a fun way for me to be creative in a space that i hadn't been before yeah did uh did katie get any ideas for her video real love from your your painting up yourself because she goes no a that's crazy. all her yeah she goes a little crazy with the paint on that one though that is that is all her she loves that she would paint our faces uh every night on tour before the yeah. show okay all right and yeah and it it was a lot of fun but sometimes i would forget and uh, so, for instance, we were in Burlington, Virginia, or not Virginia, Burlington, Vermont, excuse me. And uh, 
she painted our face the night before and I went to sleep without watching my face by accident and I got up and I, I always try to like go to the gym or go on a run while I'm on the road just to, you know, stay loose for six hour van rides. Uh, and so I go into the YMCA and people are kind of looking at me strange. And so I go down into the locker room and I realize that I still have all this pain on my face. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Luckily Halloween was the night before. So I had a slight excuse, but there you go. There you go. Feel that rumble make me more than humble. I need all your energy to get me through the day. And if I lost you, die upon the sunrise. Because without you, dry up like the blue sky. And underneath you, I can hear your whispered breath say, I need you in my bed. So we're going to need to to change up your popularity a little bit. So I I was on the road this week, and I did a search in Spotify uh, for Grayson, thinking there aren't that many Graysons out there, right? So as soon as I put plug in Grayson, you're going to pop up as, you know, the first choice. And so have have you done this? Have you tried to go on Spotify and see where you stack up in the, the, the Graysons that are out there? Um, I definitely have slowly typed in Grayson to see, uh, I think it's, is it Grayson chance? Is that the first one you get? So, yeah. So that's, that was actually the second one that came up on my search. So Grayson Jenkins, who's a country folk guy, oh, he came up first. I listened to a couple of his tunes just to, just for kicks and giggles. Um, I was on a morning walk, so I was like, hey, why, not? why not? I liked him. There was a song called uh, "World" that was pretty good, but somebody did ch- create a Grayson Chance playlist, and I don't think that dude realized that um, they misspelled Grayson. Yeah, he he's with an E, isn't he? Yeah, he's some YouTube dude that I don't know at all, and not my cup of tea at all. So, anyway, so that Grayson Chance playlist comes up, and then there's a guy named Grayson Caps. Any any idea who he is? I I don't. So he's don't an Americana guy. Um, I didn't know him, but he he cut some tracks with uh, an artist, Dylan LeBlanc, that I really like. He is son of James LeBlanc, who was a session player at Muscle Shoals. So okay, yeah, that name definitely sounded familiar. Yeah, like I'd heard it in a documentary. Right. So there's a lot of Graysons. So we we need to somehow bump you up in the Spotify search engine. It, it, do we know what the algorithm is to to help you get bumped up in that search? I don't think anybody knows what the algorithm is. Um, being on playlist always helps, and that's sort of like the game yeah. right now. I think, and when you release music, is trying to get on these, especially if you can get on a Spotify playlist. That's awesome. Um, it's it's a bit troubling to me though because. 
a lot of these playlists seem extremely approachable and good. And then all of a sudden you get an email from the people being like, hey, we're super interested. Here's how much it is to be on the playlist. And I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask you, is there is there a monetary uh, component that you have to pony up some money in order to get on some of those lists? Uh, so there's a few ways that that happens. Um, sometimes it'll happen on the back end. Like if you're just sending out mass emails to all these companies or you know, private playlisters, sometimes they'll respond with like a rate or something. But then you also have these other sites like Submit Hub, where you pay the site for a credit. And then with that credit, you can submit to playlisters. Um, all of those have pretty, pretty low success rates. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the best way is, is getting on the road, you know, uh, showing your songs to people live and then them hopefully enjoying them, putting them on their Spotify playlist and telling their friends about them. I, d- I definitely saw way more growth in the three weeks we were on tour than any other sort of marketing pushes I've ever done. Well, we'll, we'll make sure that we get you on one of our, our playlists and you know, the whole, the absolutely. Whole yeah. Ten, thanks ten guys. People who listen to those playlists. <laughs> <laughs> it all counts. Yeah, got to start it. somewhere. That's it. It's grassroots. That that's totally it. All right. So, um, so what else you want to plug before we jump into the record that you chose? Oh man, I don't know if I really have anything else to plug. Um, I do a little um uh, short film scoring, mostly for my my best friend. So the song you mentioned, Monkey Bars and Star Wars yeah. Cards, that's about my best friend in the world. His name is Will Branner. He's currently uh, on tour doing Mean Girls, the musical. Nice. Uh, he's also a director, so I've done a few um, short films with him. He's got one out right now called Schmick. Uh, I can give you guys a link for that. Yeah, um, yeah so he's he's a really creative dude, and I always like to, to promote his work. Cool. 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 All right. Uh, oh, one last question for uh, If I Lost You. So the way that okay. the way that you've got you spelled is more like a prince type of you. You a prince yes. fan? Uh, yes, yes, I am. Um, I also just I thought that looked a little cleaner to me. Okay, I don't know why. Hmm. Uh, I'm good with it. Go go <laughs> go with the prince thing. Yeah, I was in homage to to prince. So I do. You know, prince has always been an artist where. I'm, I'm familiar with his, you know, the, the most famous songs and then a lot of the songs you hear when you're at weddings and such. But that's definitely someone I could dive into a little more. Maybe I'll put that on my list. What record? What, sh- what should I start with? Sign of the Times. All right. You got it. Uh, I'm Just keep in mind, it's a double double album. Um, but it's, it's, it's my favorite. You're just trying to make my list as long as yours. Probably. Oh, yeah. Probably. There's something to that. <laughs> Wayne, what about you? What's your what's your print go to? I I go ni- nineteen ninety nine. That's also a double album, though. You guys, this, yeah, all this good music you're giving me, yeah. And huh. and you can't go wrong. You watch Purple Rain? Uh, it's been a while. Okay, yeah, it's the Purple Rain soundtrack is just phenomenal. Oh yeah, you can't can't yeah. go wrong there. That's a and that's not a double album. So unless you go with the deluxe version, and then there's all sorts of extra goodies like uh, Erotic City and some other good stuff so anyways all right um so one last question before we jump into john mayer so okay. um toto's africa good or bad song that's a fantastic song <laughs> all right i'm liking you already grayson 
<laughs> was does, uh, does Wayne have a different opinion on that? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a fan. We uh, we 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 started this debate. Good lord, <laughs> it's going on what almost a year now that we've been asking all of us taking on a life of yeah. its own, and uh, so much so that we actually did a whole episode just about our long-standing debate and um, little follow-up on that. So after we did that episode, I I emailed Steve Lukather's camp. So Steve Lukather, the guitarist of Toto. And uh, try to get him to come on the podcast. He uh, management said he's not doing interviews right now, taking a break, but he's got a solo record coming out in 2020, and we're now on the list to interview him next year. So they didn't tell me no. It's not All a, right. It's not exactly a yes as well, but we're we're gonna we're gonna go with it's a it's a strong maybe. Yeah, baby steps. Yes, that'd be that'd be fun for you guys, I'm sure, so, and for him. Well, for me, I don't know. About <laughs> it'll be fun for everybody. There you go. All right. So, uh, so Grayson, tell us what what record you chose to revisit for this episode. Oh, so I went to uh, to John Mayer's Continuum, uh, one of my absolute favorites. Cool. Uh, what were some of the other records that you thought about uh, possibly doing? Uh, I thought about doing um, the Bahamas one that I talked about, but that was relatively recent, so I wanted to do something a little older. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that kind of that was like the second or third one that came to my mind, and I was just like, that sounds like a lot of fun, and I can talk about it. Cool. When did you yeah. uh, When did you discover John Mayer? Um, let's see. I I remember. I have a distinct memory of my brother uh, walking around the house. I guess I would have been in like sixth or seventh grade, and he he would he was singing Gravity um, to himself, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then as I started to play the guitar more, I I was looking for something to sort of grasp onto that was a little different uh, that I could start playing, and so I came across Why Georgia, which isn't on this record, mm-hmm. um, but was on uh, Room for Squares, and something about that guitar part once you like learn it and and like kind of get it in the rhythm and in the pocket it's really fun to play and i was like this is cool so i just started diving into his stuff and then started coming across more of the continuum um style songs and i was like this is really cool especially sonically just the way it sounded versus all the other stuff i was listening to at that time yeah how about you wayne when did you discover john oh i'm uh, I just mostly had seen him like he was always on TV uh, about, I was always a reference to who he was sleeping with. And uh, I, I, it's not that I dislike John Mayer. It's like, I feel like that it's karmically unfair that a guy is tall and good looking, great head of hair. He sleeps with Jennifer Aniston, Katy Perry and Taylor Swift. And then he plays the guitar like Jimi Hendrix and that just doesn't that's to me it's all this is all a case of a hater gonna hate that's just not fair for one person to I have didn't even list my favorite of all of his contests <laughs> minka kelly oh yeah that that she's that's beautiful. she's not gonna she's not gonna make because uh, jennifer aniston will always be rachel green to me so yeah. <laughs> she'll you're, never, you're not gonna top that yeah. um so i don't remember where I discovered him. I know that I, um, I bought room for squares 
I was a big, huge fan of that. I told everybody, this dude is going to be huge. And I was right. Um, I like when I'm right. Because every for all of the the albums that I have bought, where I said these guys are going to be huge, and then they like don't do anything. Yeah, I'm talking about you, Wheat, um, <laughs> and a couple others. Um, but I know that I heard Neon before Room for Squares came out, and I don't know if it was it was on a mix CD. I know he was associated with aware records, which early on, I liked a lot of the stuff from aware from the, from the late nineties. Um, so I know I heard neon. That's a tough, that would be a tough song to conquer for a guitar player though. I try it once a year and I'll let, I'll, I'll let you know when I okay. figure it out. That, that is, that's tough. That's tough stuff. And right around that same time, he also had put out, when I bought the CD, it came with like a, an extra, extra little EP and it had like a Jimi Hendrix song on it. There was a Stevie Ray Vaughan song on it, um, you know, that he played, that he covered. So obviously at the beginning of, of his career, the, the label was trying to tout him that this, this dude is a great guitarist. Right. So, um, which is a kind of a shame because I think the the most commercially popular song on that record was probably Your Body is a Wonderland. Yeah, and that was huge and he won a Grammy for it. Right, which is is about as simple as his guitar playing right. gets. Right. Which just tells you everything you need to know about pop music, right? <laughs> um, so, uh Let's get some bio info on this record. So Continuum was the third studio record um, from John. It was released in September of 2006. Uh, it was released on Columbia with, um, I don't know how it was connected with Aware Records, but um, the, the, the production notes say uh, released by Aware and Columbia Records. Um, the, the Wikipedia said it marked a change in Mare's musical style. I, I didn't really see too much difference between this record and the previous two records, or maybe I'm just not, maybe I'm just not seeing it. Um, I, I think it, it, the, all the, all the ingredients were there in the first two. I just think that this one was the best combination of his pop music writing with his blues guitar and um, and then just like adding the great players that were on on this record, yeah. I think it all it he just he figured it out. He figured out exactly sonically what he wanted. Right. And this won the Grammy Award for Best Pop Vocal Album. So um, that was in two thousand six, two thousand seven. What does that even mean? Pop. I don't, vocal? I don't know. See, that's <laughs> so. So, do you guys know who was was also nominated? So here, here are the nominations. Besides John, was it Lifehouse? No, no, I don't think they've ever been nominated. Um, <laughs> um, don't get me wrong; I do like Lifehouse. We, I, I covered them in a cover band years ago. Um, super easy to cover. That's why we did it. Um, all right, here are the nominees: Christina Aguilera, "Back to Basics." Okay. Um, James Blunt, "Back to Bedlam." There so, we go. There you go. Uh, Elvis Costello and Alan Toussaint for The River in Reverse. 
mm-hmm. which is not a record that uh, unfortunately I know very well. Wayne, you're the big Elvis fan. You know that one at all? Um, a little bit. I have it. I haven't listened to it lately, but I remember when I when it first came out, I yeah. I listened to it. And then Justin Timberlake, Future Sex Love Sounds. Oh, wow. I'm actually surprised that didn't win. <laughs> and and just so you know, Continuum never hit number one on the, on the Billboard 200 because Justin Timberlake's record impeded that ability for John's record to be number one. So now they were released the same day, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Don't feel don't feel sorry for John because he's this this record has sold over four million records. Yeah, I don't feel very bad for him. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel bad for him at all. No. Did they have any dating overlap, him and him and Justin? Did they both date Jennifer? Um, no, I don't think they no, did. No, th- I think um didn't Justin date Cameron Diaz? Yeah, I think so. I <laughs> think I think John Mayer was at one point was rumored to have had a a, a fling with her as well. Mm. That that's probably the only wow. overlap, but whatever. Six degrees of sleeping with John Mayer. <laughs> this is the gossip section of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we have derailed. Uh, there we go. Well, I mean, you know, for look if. It, we're dudes, so you know we 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 look at that stuff and Thanks we for right. That. I know, but we look at that stuff and we're like Jessica Simpson. Nice job, John. You know, um, <laughs> give him that little that little finger gun thing and a wink. That's Good that's job. it. That's it. So, um, but you you notice in the last several years though, since the whole controversy of him kind of. Um, sleeping and telling about it mm-hmm. that that he's not really linked to many many uh hot babes he's also not linked to many news stories or anything i don't hear his name hard at all right. until you said this i haven't i hadn't heard john mayer's name in years well most well, recently and- he dated uh he, he dated katie perry that was pretty much the only one in the news but i think he i mean there's a lot of articles that i read in interviews about him talking about how he was a recovering e- ego addict. Yes. Yeah, and you know, I don't know if you can cure. That. Right. Um, I think. I mean, any any kind of artist at his level, I think, is going to have a bit of that. I just think that he sort of realized how to control it in a way that's not going to hurt him in the long run. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Hi, my name is John, and I I have a huge ego. <laughs> but um, to to your point, Wayne. So. He's put out a bunch of records since then, uh, since Continuum. Um, the follow-up, that was Battle Studies. Very good. Um, very good record. Heartbreak Warfare is on that. Half of My Heart, which um, that's a song that Taylor Swift provides a few background vocals for. And, you know, that uh, that was one of his other conquests, which she wrote a song about. And <laughs> supposedly he wrote a song about her in, in response. So Paper Doll supposedly that's the one that came off of uh paradise valley mm-hmm. also right? great record i didn't i didn't get into that one I, I didn't get into born and raised or paradise valley ah see i would put born and raised probably as my as my favorite john mayer record very laurel canyon was he going for that sound 
I don't know. You know, that was right around when he was talking about he was getting into the dead a little bit. And there's a few songs on uh, Battle Studies where you can see him starting to go that way. Like, uh, Who Says? Who Says could very well have been on Born and Raised. Okay. Um, I think for that record, it was just right time and right place. The record came out the night before I graduated high school. Okay. And then me and all my friends got in a car and we drove to the beach for like a week to goof off. And that was the record we played the entire time we were there. So I kind of fell in love with it as like right. nostalgia and and stuff. And the last record that he put out. So he does have he does have some new singles. I haven't checked those out yet. But the previous full record, The Search for Everything, that was from 2017. Um, and that did that did fairly well for sales. Um, it was number two on the U.S. Billboard 200 mm. and uh, debuted at number one on the Billboard Top Rock albums. What again? Whatever that means these days. And there's some good stuff on it, like Love on the Weekend. If Wayne, if we if we would have done this podcast in 2017. Um, that song totally would have been on my most listened to songs for 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 that year. It's a great song. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, um, have you listened to to New Light? I it, that's the new one, right? Yeah, that was that was. Uh, I think he did New Light, and then I guess I just feel like, and then Carry Me Away. But New Light was really cool, and the music video. I think if you guys liked my music video, I think you'd get a kick out of that. Okay. Have not listened to it again. Going back to what I said, that I'm like three months behind on all my new music. So, uh, when did that come out? Oh man, fairly recently, right? I want to say within the last year, but I'm not. I'm not positive. New Light maybe okay. would have been like a year and a half ago. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I got I got more homework to put on my my list here. I got to stop asking you for recommendations. Yeah, because you're making my list. <laughs> I'll try really to stop, long. but I I can't help myself. You guys, ready to jump into the record? Yes. Yeah. All right. So, as a reminder, our scoring's based on the number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? Twelve. Means our top song is going to get twelve points. Next favorite, eleven. On down to lowest score of one. Here's the first song. This is "Waiting on the World to Change." Get your get your clown horn ready. <laughs> so, waiting on the world to change. That is the lead single from this record, and uh, he won a Grammy for best male pop vocal performance uh, because of this. So, since I have the I have the uh, the scores in front of me, I get to to see those ahead of time. So, Grayson, tell me why you don't like the song. Oh, you know, it's not that I don't like it. Um, I think it just got overplayed on the radio, and there's so much that I really like about John Mayer, and 
and that I dislike about politically charged songs. Um, so it just, it was just kind of a, eh, when I, when I go back to this record, I, I think I was talking to you about this beforehand, but, um, if I listen to it via the internet on Spotify, it's really easy just to, to click, um, to the second song and go from there. It's not so easy on my record player. kind of have to finesse the needle onto the second one, but to, it's just not, I don't know. It doesn't bring about the same emotion that the rest of the record does for me. Is it because it's pretty much a protest song or is it because it just got overplayed? I think it's a little bit of both. Okay. And I think that, it, you know, as much as I pride myself on kind of knowing a little bit about John and, you know, all of his songs and what he has to say, it just doesn't seem like the whole political thing is is as much important. I don't know. Maybe it isn't really important to him. It just didn't come across that way to me. You know, and I used to I used to hold that same attitude about, you know, leave leave your protest songs at the door. Like I don't if I'm going to go see you in concert, I don't want to hear you and your political views. And like I would I would tell you that I I lost favor with Pearl Jam for a good 10, 12 years. And I think what it was I'm now back on the camp just because over the last several years, I've just become more of a pissed off old dude. (laughs) And so, and so I'm get off my lawn. So, so I'm, I've started to, I've started to appreciate the protest songs. Okay. Maybe you'll get there. Maybe it's because you're just a young whippersnapper still. Um, oh, I mean, I'm like, I'm the first one to <laughs> scream in the face of authority. I can't stand it, but I don't know something about, yeah. about my musical tastes. Well, I want to hear about like, you know, what, what makes people sad and, and what makes people happy about their relationships right. or their, you know, their daily life. There's a, you know, there's, there's, there's a time and place for the whole stick it to the man thing. I think it's great, but not my John. Yeah, no, that that I get it. So, so Wayne, how about you? We've, uh, we've Grace Grayson has explained why he likes it or, or, or dislikes it. So tell me why you like it. Um, I had the most familiarity with it, but also to me, ultimately he, he, he felt it, he sounded most comfortable with it and it had, um, like a passion. Like he clearly cared about what he was singing. And some of them, I think he gets a little, I don't know, mild and it doesn't really, come off convincing, but this one had a a range of passion and I didn't really take it as a, I mean, I get there's, there's segments of the song where he's clearly making reference to political things, but it almost came off to me as more of a, uh, uh, a reaction to his generation and, and the idea of waiting for the world to change when all good change has been forced. And so I, I felt like a commentary on his, and he's a little old, I guess, to necessarily be a millennial, but it's, Everybody, I guess, that younger than us seems like a millennial. And so it felt more like he was making a commentary on that. But I could say he felt he felt more it felt more comfortable. Like it was a good it, this was a good song for him. And he he clearly uh, felt strongly about it. And he and he and he brought everything in and, and, and gave that extra emotion that you need to make a to great song. OK. I didn't want this to be my favorite song. I, I tried, <laughs> but ultimately, ultimately, it was I thought one of the best 
written songs and the best and, and with the best execution. Wait, what was your score on this one? Twelve. This is my favorite score. My oh favorite wow! Song. Wow! Look at the juxtaposition of that. That's cool. And then Grayson, how about you? My score? Yeah. Yeah, I gave it. I gave it a one. Yeah. And um, so I'm right at. The, I'm right there in the middle. I, I give this a five. So we're we're all over the place as far as our scores here. Um, and I'm looking at our scores here. Do we agree ever again? Um, Grace and I will agree on two songs going forward, and that's it. So we're all over the place for this record, so this is going to be fun. Here we go. That's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> there it is. All mm. right. Uh, next song on the record, I Don't Trust Myself with Loving You. Oh, yes. No, I'm not the man I used to be lately. See, you met me at an interesting time. My past is in a sign of your future You should be warned before I let you inside Hold on to whatever you find, baby Hold on to whatever will get you through Like the catchy hook at the beginning, it totally brings me in, and um, I like your idea, Grayson, that this is the this is the lead song on the record. I'm gonna have to try that next time. I yeah, try try the Grayson version of Continuum. Um, <laughs> uh, fun fact about this one: there's actually two bass players on this tune. Oh, yeah, okay. it's uh, it's Pino Palladino and Willie Weeks used to play with Eric Clapton. Nice. There's a lot of low end on this song, so I think that that kind of points to that. Yeah, we haven't even talked personnel. So so Pino Pino is all over this record. I think he plays on does he play on every track? I believe he does. And then Steve Jordan is on drums and he's on I think just about every track. Mm-hmm. Um in some ver- form of percussion so pretty much straight up drums and then percussion on a number of records and if you want if you want to see impressive resumes just go look at pino and steve's resume the wikipedia pages for both of them are just insane they have played with everybody and pino is he's a bass legend oh yeah he's he's probably my favorite bass player yeah um, so uh, actually, in preparation for this podcast, I was going to do some research online. And for some reason, I don't know why, but I find it very hard to do record research online. Credits are hard to find and they're yes. all aloof. But then I realized that I own the record and there's all that information on the <laughs> <Yeah>. record. <laughs> so I've got it in my hands. And uh, on the back of it, there's a Things You Should Know that John wrote. And okay. uh, if you guys are cool with it, I'll briefly read what he wrote for Steve and Pino. Yeah. 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 So he said, Steve Jordan taught me how to care about everything in music. He's given me new ears to listen with, and that gift goes long past the making of this album. I'll be thinking, I'll be thinking of him every time I play. And then for Pino, he said, Pino Palladino is the most honest soul I've ever met. He knows music as if they were old war buddies. I'd copy everything about him if I thought I could come close enough to pull it off. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So nice words. Yeah. Just so you know, Wayne, I reached out to Pino um, uh, 
Pino's management a couple of weeks ago to see if uh, he would have any interest of coming on the podcast. Nice. We'll see if that comes to fruition. <laughs> I throw I throw a lot of spaghetti at the wall to see what's going to stick. That's what you have to do. Yeah it's, yeah, it's about the odds. That's it. It's about pure numbers. It's all about the odds. I would love to pick his brain. Oh, like, yeah. I, I, and I would be interested to hear what record was like super influential for him because when i listen to him i don't i don't know where he's getting his inspiration like i really feel like he has made a lot of that style that he has up yeah that is that pretty accurate i that's what i would think so and and bass players hold a special place in my heart because that's what i used to play oh cool if you if you can even call it that, because, yeah, um, I suck really bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, back to I don't yes. trust myself. So um, do we like the when he goes into the falsetto high notes on the chorus? I sure do. I bet I know it. I was going to say, I bet I know Grayson's answer. Because <laughs> because. Because you you do a little bit of that falsetto stuff on on some of your on some of your songs. I do. I love it. I very often find myself singing in falsetto more than I should. Yeah. You know what's what's interesting. So so keep in mind when you're looking at the lyrics to this song. This song came out in 2006, 2007. His controversial controversial comments that you know everybody gives him crap about of you know dropping the n word and you know saying that jessica simpson was sexual napalm and whatever else that he said (laughs) uh, that got him into trouble those comments all came out in like 2010 2011 so obviously if john is writing this from his viewpoint he kind of knows himself pretty well right because it it doesn't it definitely feels like some foreshadowing of not just on this song but you know gravity is coming up here and i feel like the lyrics for this song and a few others is he knows that he's trouble right oh yeah so he knows he's gonna get misunderstood a little bit um and i just feel like that uh, that definitely comes out here which i again i thought it was interesting that you know three or four years later after this song um that's that's when all the trouble he finds that trouble so very true. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm here to defend John all the way and not well, not to defend anything that he did that was inappropriate. Obviously, those comments were were, were inappropriate. Um, but I think one of those one of those interviews were, were for Playboy. So right. I think, you know, that could have been him trying a little too hard to to be that guy. Um, and, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's all over his music that he knows that he's flawed and he, you know, so. It, but it is interesting, and that that maturing process is uh, is is tough, and it's probably way harder when there's a bunch of microphones and cameras in your face. Right, and I've long I've long thought this theory, and I could be completely off base when I say this. So my oldest son is on the autism spectrum, and I seriously think that John is probably on the spectrum as well. Hmm. So. Um, and the reason why I say that is when you're on the autism spectrum, you're socially awkward. You say things that um, people with filters usually don't say. Mm. And 
you're super hyper focused about certain things. Like you focus on a subject matter and like you just learn everything about it. And doesn't that kind of feel as though John with his guitar, he's probably was super focused of learning how to be one of the best guitarists in the world. Yeah. He very often talks about how his middle school and high school days were spent in his room, just playing the guitar. Right. So anyways, that's my theory. I could be completely off base, but since I live with a, with an autistic child, I see, (laughs) I see a lot of things, uh, in similarities. So interesting. Yeah. Anyways. Um, all right, let's get some scores. So, Wayne, what you got on this one? I gave it a three. I think a lot of that was that I I really liked the song previous, so there was a drop-off, I felt like. Um, I The snare, it's not that Steve Jordan, it's not, I don't, want, I don't want this as a criticism on Steve Jordan. I think whoever mic'd up the snare got it a little loud. It really, at least on the, <laughs> on the when I was listening to it on Amazon, it's, it's, distracting at midpoints. He does. He's, he keeps time like a drum machine. He's amazing, but somebody mic'd it up a little bit too much in the mix. Uh, but one thing is listening. A lot of these, I wish I could hear this uh, record without his vocals. And that's not to say I don't like him. I just think musically this song, this, this record is a lot better than a pop album. If you, if you were to take out some of the, if you were to take the vocals out, this has, a, I mean, I think Quincy Jones could have mm-hmm. taken this song musically and made it like Michael Jackson's biggest hit. Yeah. It just, I could feel, I could see all this potential in there. That's kind of buried back behind his voice and that snare. I can see that. All right. I've actually, I've heard that complaint before Wayne. I have heard that exact complaint about the snare and that song. Yeah. All right. Grayson, your score. Uh, I give this one an eight. This one was was tough for me. I think that, to be honest, my my eight through ten are all interchangeable, but this was an eight for me. And I give this a seven. All right, moves us on to next song is Belief. Another political song, right? Yeah, I think a little, a little less super politically charged in the first, but still, still the same message. Um, I just think I like the guitar line in this way more than than the instrumentation in the other one. And waiting on the world to change. It's fun to play. Yeah, I could see. I could totally see that. Um, This is what I didn't. I didn't know. So this was considered. This was the second single from the record. And I didn't remember ever hearing it on the radio. Um, was it on the radio? Did anybody hear this on the radio? I don't remember hearing it on the radio. Yeah, Ben Harper's on the guitar in this one. Yes, he is. And so this was also nominated for a Grammy Award. 
for best male pop vocal performance. He didn't win. I was going to, I was going to look up who the other nominees were and I just never got around to it. Um, and I didn't think that it was that much of a political song until I was reading the lyrics and the last verse, I think the last verse is where it really kicks into, um, you know, being a political song where he, he says, you know, what puts a hundred thousand children in the sand belief can, what puts the folded flag inside a mother's hand belief can. So, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't view it as a political song until those last ones. And I'm like, uh, yeah, totally. Um, so does that, does that have any bearing on your, on your score, Grayson, that, because this is more of a political song? Um, not especially. I mean, it definitely doesn't hit me lyrically like most of the other ones do, but, um, there, there's actually, there's one line that I really like. Uh, it's, it's the belief is a beautiful armor, but makes for the heaviest sword, like punching underwater. You, you never can hit who you're trying for, which I think is an interesting, interesting thought. Cause everybody's felt that, you know, when you're a kid and you're in a pool and you're like doing Kung Fu under the water, yeah. it's like, there's this like resistance with your, with your blows and stuff. So that, that's was very visual vivid for me that line yeah yeah wayne how about you what what do you got on belief um, i did and i didn't really know i didn't look at the lyrics on any of these which is something i typically do um but i didn't think i i know grace had said he loved the guitar and i just thought it was underplayed and i, I guess i would i feel bad because a lot of times i say i this isn't what I expect from John Mayer, but I, I will admittedly not have listened to a ton of his stuff. So I guess I'm not really the person to say that, but I thought the, I, I did get the protest part towards, towards the end of the second or third time I listened to it. And I, I don't know, it just, it didn't come off with as much, I don't know, emotion or, or feeling as, as waiting for the world to change. And that snare drum is driving me crazy at this point. <laughs> Oh no! Uh, is this going to be like the tambourine on what was that one song that? Uh... <laughs> oh, that you know what? You, that could be a number of songs that have had the tambourine. Yeah. That that instrument is sometimes not well played. <laughs> All right, let's get some scores. So I give this a four, Wayne. A two, and then Grayson. I gave it a three. Yeah. So. Um, Spoiler alert, but this is our least favorite song cumulatively for our scores. So, can you believe uh, that? I know exactly. <laughs> Throw out the snare on that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So, uh, that leads us up to gravity. And this is what was interesting. So I, I'm, you know, I'm one of these guys that I'm always looking at the charts. I want to see where, 
where things were on the billboard hot 100 the peak position for this song 71 Mm. adult adult top 40 was it was a top 10 just barely at peaked at number 10 but i remember this song back in 06 07 being on all the time yeah it was just interesting um rolling stone on their 100 greatest guitar songs of all time this is number 84 on their list that's pretty cool yeah i I absolutely agree with that i mean uh this is the one that this just grew on me and grew on me and and a lot of it is that real bluesy feel that it has in the beginning. That's, I guess, for some reason, that's what I expect or I want to hear from him. Because I've heard things, I've heard his guitar and I know how well he plays the guitar. Um, and I really enjoyed uh, the solo in this is just like this awesome, you know, slow burn that I just, it, it was to the point where I felt like it wasn't long enough. It's like I wanted to keep hearing it. Yeah. Uh, well, and have you heard the... Uh the version off of where the light is his live show in LA. So good. Oh no, I haven't. Dude, if you want the solo to be longer, go check out yes. that because that's everything you want and more. Awesome. Yeah. It's so good. Um, and, and Grayson, you, you, you had alluded earlier that, uh, a brother of yours would sing this, right? Yeah. He, he's kind of, he, his uh the way he kind of did music he was always a little goofy when he sang yeah. so i would always just hear him kind of going around the house being like gravity <laughs> <laughs> and i'd be like what are you singing he's like oh it's this john mayer song check it out did did he do any other lyrics besides gravity because i caught myself a few times this week walking around house just going gravity and that would be it I, you know, <laughs> that's pretty much it yeah okay all right it's a it's a fairly s- simple lyrical song um, yeah that was one of the things I enjoyed about it. That's one of my notes here. It's just this great, uh, I hate to interrupt. I just, I, I saw that literally those same words written on my, on my notes. I think that was one of the things I enjoyed about it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's some really, really good, uh, lyric writing. And then to me, there's nothing better than going back and forth between a one and a four. Just yeah. that it's set, it sets up melodies so nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so before we get scores, so I, I I felt like I needed to to bring up this uh, this quote from from John himself, um, and I want to see what your guys's reaction to this. So in an interview, somebody asked him about Gravity, and he said, "This is the most important song I've ever written. I will listen to it every day of my life if I need to. It's honest to God, the most important song I've ever written in my life, and it has the fewest words." I was in LA. I was there for the summer just writing tunes and I was in the shower. I don't know where it came from, but it's a damn truth. You know, I just sang gravity It's working against me. And I just want to say that my full-time job being, this is true. Being a musician is almost a side job to my full-time job of not screwing up because the world was devised <laughs> to be pretty damn even except for terminal illness and things that people just absolutely they're just flukes and they're, you know, I don't know if they're making up for something else way far away that they don't deserve, but it all pretty much evens out. So, wow. And again, to, to the point of this was Oh six, this was before, you know, people kind of jumped off of his train because they were like, well, he's offensive and he's, you know, whatever he's a playboy, et cetera, et cetera. He kind of knew that 
being on top, there's only one where one place to go after that, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I love this song. I don't know if it's my favorite John Mayer song, but it's it's right up there. Like, uh, yeah, I, I I dig the song a lot. Um, it's actually my second favorite song off the record. We'll talk about my first here in in a couple songs. Wayne, so this is an eleven for you. This is an eleven for me. And Wayne, what you got? An eight. And then Grayson. There's a ten for me. Yeah. All right. Gets us to heart of life. No, it's nothing new. Bad news never had good timing. Then the circle of your friends will defend the silver lining. Pain throws your heart to the ground. Love ties the In my notes here, all I have is just the sad crying face emoji. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I kind of view this as a little bit of a transition song from Gravity to the next song. But um, I think, Grayson, you probably feel a little differently about it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it is about this song. Um, maybe it's the way it feels again. A lot of these songs, I think, in my, in my brain... I'm ranking them a little higher based on how much I like to play them when I'm playing the guitar. Okay. And this one is way up there for me. It's re- it's really fun to play. It's got like a nice rhythm to it. Uh, I like what he does. You know, he, he just came from like a very intense sonic song, you know, and it's like really deep. And I do agree with you that it is a transition song um, because, you know, the drums are way far in the back. Uh, if 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 there even is anything besides like a little loop on there, yeah, yeah, there's just like a little percussion. Um, it just feels so good to me, I think. And then his live versions of it, I love. His acoustic versions are great. Uh, so it just has a special place for me. All right, cool. Wayne, your thoughts on that song? Uh, this one grew on me uh, as over the week, and. I re- and I agree. I and I, it's it is simple. And uh, I one thing I realize is I may have a different direction for John Mayer than than he does because I I don't know if this song fits him as well. But I and I don't know if anybody else heard this. But if you speed this up a little bit and add a mandolin, the this the M- Mumford and Sons could make a, a big splash with this. Oh. All right, there you go. Should we get some scores? Yeah. All right, Grayson. Nine. Wayne. Six. And I give this a six. So that leads us up to the next song, which is Vultures. How did they find me here? What do they want from me? All of these vultures hiding right outside my door. Kill before. Down to the wild. I want it, want it, but I walk through the fire. If this is what it takes to take me even high, then I'll come through like I do when the world keeps testing me. 
Um, I think you like this song a little a little bit more than uh, Grayson and I did. Why uh, Why did you love Vulture so much? Well, on this one and another one, um, I I can hear he's. It's almost like a. This is totally Steely Dan. Like this is uh, one of the. This is. It wouldn't have been like the best Steely Dan song, but this is a great. Steely Dan song. It's just missing Donald Fagan and, and Walter Becker doing, you know, harmonies and in, into what is kind of the chorus. Cause I don't know that there's ever really a, a specific chorus, um, but it's got that, it's got that great jazzy, you know, rhythm that they always had. And then, the, and, and then he, his, with his guitar, he uses this great blues guitar that he just peppers in, in just like the right spots. And just dresses it up. Does anyone else hear Stevie Ray Vaughan in this song? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, on the yeah, guitar wise, yeah. And because I know he he John Mayer cites Stevie as one of his heroes. I'm not saying it's a Stevie knockoff, but I can totally I can totally feel the influence on a little bit of the the the, the bluesy approach that he takes on it. Yeah. Oh no, I, I don't have any problems with that. And I think even um, a couple songs from now, he you know. Uh, when he does Jimmy, I don't think anybody, I think he's the best blues guitarist since Stevie Ray Vaughan. I, I, I know it may be sacrilege to a lot of people, but I think he's better than Clapton when it comes to playing Jimi Hendrix, at least <laughs> or, playing, or playing like that. Right. Right. Cause he doesn't sound like he's trying to knock him off. I don't know that anybody else could have played that song and, and made it and not had people, you know, turn it off he, he really brings it and you can tell there's a you know deep connection like he has an admiration for this person that comes through i know i'm talking about another song now but this one like i say he just used that guitar i felt like that that wasn't a knockoff of stevie ray it was definitely uh, a clear influence just shining through yeah. yeah and Wayne, i agree with you i don't really think that I hear too much. I mean, there's definitely some Clapton in his playing, but I don't really feel like he's taking too much. But it's interesting because in that Things You Should Know section of his record, he says, Eric Clapton knows I steal from him and is still cool with it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So maybe he thinks he does, but I don't know. I Maybe I need to listen to more Clapton because I don't don't really feel... I don't really feel like certain songs have that Clapton approach to it, but okay, that, that that's cool. Well, and like I say, blues guitar. Almost everybody who plays blues guitar now is just trying to just 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 ripping off Jimi Hendrix. I do want to go on record. I know that I might have lower scores than, than maybe both of you guys, but I love this song so much. This song has such a good vibe and groove to it. I love the Pino bass line. And uh, they actually, they all three got writing credit on this song. Steve, uh, Pino, and John. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't, didn't, didn't look at that. That's why I need to add this record to my collection so I could have seen that. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Have all you right. listened to any of the trio stuff? Like the, the record yeah. they did? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, uh, I, it's really I, good. I dig it. I need, I need to go revisit visit that because they've got what two records out i think so the one the one that i'm familiar most familiar with is the try yeah 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 i think that, like that was a live record i yeah i need i need to listen to that again well and we'll talk more about the the whole axis comparisons here in a couple couple uh songs mm. yeah let's get some scores wayne 
I gave it an 11. Like I say, I love me some Steely Dan. And this this sounded, you could just, like I say, all it was missing was uh, Donald Fagan and Walter Becker in the in the harmonies. And it would have would have been one of one of the greats. Right. Grayson. I gave it a seven, but a very, a very high seven. Seven asterisk is something. Yeah. <laughs> Capital seven. Capital seven. Um, and I give this a nine. Leads us up to stop this train. And um, I'm just going to sit back and let you guys debate this because you guys are completely opposite in scores on this, <laughs> on this song. So, Grayson, you like it. I absolutely love this song. Convince Wayne why um, he's completely high with his score on this one. <laughs> well, again, I think this one... I've heard this from other people too. I think this was a time and a place thing for me as well. Um, well, number one, you have the the nice little falsetto parts uh, in the choruses that I like, where he sings really softly. But this really struck me in a, in a time in my life where I was I was getting older and I was um, you know like starting to cope with this fact that I was not a nineteen and twenty year old kid anymore, and that. Um, I just felt for the first time like, wow, like this life is progressing rapidly. And I think he has a lot of insight with that about like, you know, the changing in his, in his parents and stuff. And, um, I just think the, the chorus, the stop this train, I want to get off and go home again. I can't take the speed. Uh, it's moving in. I know I can't, but honestly, when someone stopped this train, I just think that hits me right, right in the, in the emotional spot. Wayne counterpoint. Well, I will just in my defense, I will write, I will show, I, in my notes, it says not a bad song. It's not that it's a bad song. It's very plain. It doesn't have a guitar solo. Um, but ultimately, and this is going to sound silly, train songs to me need to to rock a little more. You know, Crazy Train, Train Kept a Rolling, you know, Locomotive, Locomotive Breath. Those, all these songs about trains feel like they should just be more upbeat if you're going to use a train it should sound like you need you're trying to stop the unstoppable and he it was just kind of milk toast and i also once again back to my initial comments about i i'm not i'm not going to take a lot of pity on john mayer and i think he was what 31 when he wrote this maybe so you know life's not life's not so bad john you're going to be okay i think this i think this would have been when he was like 20 27 i think <laughs> okay well two, i thought he was born in 77 so in 2006, I guess he'd have been 29. 29. Maybe. Yeah. But still, that's even worse. Now he's not even 30. So uh, buck up, champ. We got we got a lot of life to live. I think that, again, back to why this song hit me so much, I think this was during that period of, uh, of the final frontal lobe, you know, finishing up for me. Um, <laughs> so that, yeah, I don't know. I just felt that for some reason. Maybe 
Maybe I should write a song called Frontal Lobe. I like it. Stop this yeah. frontal lobe. Stop this Trump. I was just getting <laughs> took the words right out of my mouth. Beat me to the punchline. Um, yeah. James Valentine uh, played acoustic guitar on this. Not the main part, but all the like diamonds in the background. He's okay. the guitar player for Maroon 5. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I like I like this song. By the way, Wayne, did you did you uh, in your train comparisons, did you say long train running? Uh, it's, I didn't say it, but it's written down on my notes. I also have night train, downtown train, um, all wonderful train songs. What about the band train? train you gotta, the what? The band train. Do you feel like all their songs need to be rocking? No. I feel <laughs> like all, there's maybe three of them that we should keep and the rest we should let go. Yeah. Well, I uh, I love Save Me San Francisco. That was one of the songs that we sang in my cover band. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> uh, no, I was just gonna I was gonna bring up the fact that uh, Long Train Running by the Doobie Brothers this uh, week was a wonderful announcement for me because Michael McDonald is rejoining the Doobies for a tour <laughs> next summer. So I'm totally excited for that. Oh yeah, they just played the Ryman in Nashville. Not with Michael, though. I no, I don't think so. I don't think he's joined up with no. him yet. No. So, anyways, that's uh, that's going to be awesome. Um, I originally had this song as as a little bit lower in score, but I bumped it up because I like the theme of it. I I love the piano and the bridge as well. And then I read the lyrics, and um, the advice that he gets from his dad kind of kills me, um, just because you know. Um, I lost my, my dad this, this, this year. And so, uh, any of these kind of dad songs mm-hmm. are, uh, are, are, are kind of touching a nerve and I like, um, it's a good nerve. Um, but, um, yeah, so I, I bumped it up in score a little bit just because of that. So, um, I'm at eight Wayne, your score. Uh, this was my least favorite for uh, the poor train oh, analogy. Wow. Wow. And Grayson. Um, well, before I give my score, I want to I wanna piggyback off what you said about the whole um, father thing. I was lucky enough to see John play in Red Rocks. Um, nice. Yeah, it was a great show. And he always does these little acoustic sections of his show. And he brought his dad out there. And he asked his dad, he said, Dad, what song do you want me to play? <laughs> his dad goes, well, play the train song. <laughs> so I thought that was really special because, you know, he probably likes it because it's got a quote from him in there. Right, right. But I gave this uh, this score for me goes all the way up to eleven. Excellent. I like I like that reference. Where was yes. that a Spinal Tap reference? That was a Spinal Tap reference. Kudos, <laughs> kudos, my friend. All right, uh, slow dancing in a burning room. This is the deep and dying breath. This love that we've been working on can't seem to hold you like I want to. So I can feel you in my arms Nobody's gonna come and save you We pull too many false alarms We're going down And you can see it too We're going down And you know that we're told My dear, we're slow dancing Uh, Grayson, get us started with that. Oh, man. 
I I love this song. I could if I think you told me I could have one to three songs on a desert island, this would for sure be the first one I would choose. Yeah. Um I don't know why. Like I was thinking about it today. Um I don't really love the chorus too much. It, it um re-listening to it, but I just think the whole song it, as a whole is is my favorite thing he's ever done. So well, this has to be about a relationship, right? So which one of his conquests was this written for? Who who's <laughs> who's the burning room? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but that that concept to me, um, one of the best things you can do in songwriting is take a very um you know, like well known feeling and then put it into a phrase that is very easy to understand once you hear it. And I think yeah. that slow dancing in a burning room is like about the most perfect way you could describe a failing re- relationship that still has good parts in it. Yeah. Super visual. Like it, you, it, when it, it, uh, it brings to life that, that vision almost also, uh, I would put it right up there with like the band playing at the end of Titanic. It's that's, mm. I feel like that's the message that's being here is, you know, slow dancing in the burning room. This is all, <laughs> this is all crashing down. And and you everybody seems to accept the end, but it's still you still hold on to to what you know. And like I say, this one I thought it has a great guitar intro that, and he sounds a little much more comfortable. And also, like I say, lyrically or even vocally, I guess there's a little bit of a sneer in his voice that kind of matches the guitar. And it kind of it's not all he's not necessarily sad that this is ending. He's just basically pointing out the obvious. Yeah, mm-hmm. with some great guitar work. Oh that, yeah, that hook is amazing. <laughs> I just love it. So fun to play. So yeah. fun to play. And considering that you're a John Mayer fan, Grayson, mm-hmm. are you surprised that this song is part of the John Mayer canon, but it was not released as a single? Right. Yeah, I think that. Um, I don't know if if he kind of knew this was going to be as good as it was, because I feel like everything I've heard him say about it is very positive. Uh, and again, I, I know that he's had some issues in the past with his record company sort of choosing his singles for him. Oh, okay. For instance, Daughters, the song he won a Grammy for, he yeah. didn't want them to release that song, and they just did. Uh, and he was okay. upset about it until they won a Grammy. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I, I dare you to find a YouTube video of this live where the fans aren't singing along or singing louder than the vocals that you can hear for John Mayer. Like, oh my god! Is, yeah, this is a this is a sing along for the for the fans definitely. Even when he hits those first the bound down, like the people just right. go nuts. They go right. crazy. All right, so this is my favorite song on the record. Great. Same, same. Yeah. Twelve all the way. Wayne? Uh, I got a seven. Okay. Cool. And um, spoiler alert, this is our this is this is our top score. Leads us to the next song, which is Bold as Love. Queen jealousy, envy waits behind it. Her fiery green gown sneers at the grassy ground. Through all life giving waters, taken for granted. They quietly understand The once happy to course on this layout sitting ready But wonder why the fight is on But they're all 
And Wayne, you like the song a little more than Grayson and I do. So tell me why uh, tell me why this this ranked a little bit higher for you. And I don't know if I mentioned it, but I think because I'm not as familiar with John Mayer, I ranked some of these on how uh, uh, good of a song they were. Maybe not necessarily about the execution, but maybe more about the structure. And this is an, this is one of those songs that just reminds you how incredible Jimi Hendrix was. And and like I say, also the fact that you can because since uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan did Little Wing. I, People don't really – people try to avoid covering Jimi Hendrix songs because it can easily go awry. But I say somehow his his true admiration and how much that this individual means to him is clear in his, his performance of the song because he doesn't try to go outside the lines. He pretty much plays it straight up and – and it, I, to me, it came through like the how much he admires and and is influenced by Jimi Hendrix, and then just like I say, the song in and of itself just reminds you of how incredible Jimi Hendrix was in and of himself. Yeah. What do you guys think about the placement of the song right after Burning Room? Um, I don't have an issue with the placement. I mean, I I like when people throw a cover on a record. Okay. Uh. And I, I like this song and I like the way he does it. I really like the way he did it live in that um, uh, Where the Light Is version too. Um, but I, uh, for me, the Jimi Hendrix version of this song is so cool because the, the, the words and the lyrics, they're so poetic. And John makes it a little more melodic in his voice. And for some reason, it doesn't translate as well for me. Like I honestly think that just reading, like sitting here looking at the lyrics, reading them is the best way to get the idea across of the song. And then the rest of it is just like, Hey, don't forget guys. I'm really good at guitar. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. I want, has John Mayer ever done castles made of sand? Has he ever covered that? Not that I know of that. I would love to hear him take on that. That would be good. He did. uh, He did Lenny. He did a Stevie Ray cover. He did Lenny. Yep. And that was awesome. Yep. Uh, Wayne, to to your point, I, I want I want your opinion since you threw out Little Wing. So, what's your opinion of Sting's version of Little Wing? Oh, I I haven't heard that, and I I that does does not conjure up images of of the blues. Sting in general is not a bluesy guy. Okay, listen listen to it. Let let's uh, let's chat later. Okay. I'm curious on what your opinion is. I will not even say what my opinion of it is because I don't okay. want to taint. Uh, I want to taint it. All right, Wayne, your score. I gave it a ten. And then Grayson. I gave it a two. And the first question that I'd ask him if I had a chance to ask him about this song is that I'd ask him if that if he just really wanted to do a Hendrix cover on this record, or if he was like, I want to do Boldest Love, and knew that was the one he wanted to do. Yeah, I'd be interested in that thought process. Yeah. I also gave it a two. Not that I don't like it. I, I like this version. It's just, again, yeah, there's so many other good songs that I, I like more. So, all right. Dreaming with a Broken Heart. It's the next song up. With a broken heart. The waking up is the hardest part. You roll out of bed. Down on your knees And for a moment you can hardly breathe 
This was also a single and it charted okay on the adult side of things, peaked at number eight, but on the Billboard Hot 100, 99. That was its peak position, which I hmm. thought was interesting because I was playing this um, in the car last week after a soccer game, and my wife, who is Miss Top 40, and Miss New Country, um, this song came on and she sang along with it. And I'm like, what is going on? So uh, I thought it was interesting that it didn't chart quite as high as I thought it did. Um, what do you guys think about the placement of this more of a piano-based song right after a guitar-centric song on the record? I didn't help my score. Like I say, the piano didn't didn't help me. Like I say, I, I was looking for more guitar. Fast forward to the end of that one if you want to hear the go straight to the guitar. Right, right. <laughs> I, I like it. I think that uh, when, when you're making a record, it's always nice, nice in the back half to sort of have a down piano song if you're going to have one. Um, uh, what is it? Ricky Peterson played the piano on this one. Um, I thought it, I thought the, the way the piano sounded was was really beautiful. Uh, and I do, I do like the song. It's definitely not my favorite. I, I rarely turn it on if I want to listen to John. I, I like it. Um, this, I gave this a, a, a 10 and part of that is, so we just, we just listened to a Jimmy song. The, the three songs prior to the Jimmy song, I felt have these really great guitar hooks, their guitar heavy songs whether it's electric whether it's you know more of an acoustic bass but then you've you're switching gears a little bit and i like the switching of the gears i like the the diversity of it so um so that's why i think i gave it a little bit higher score maybe i was a little hasty in that but uh, i gave it a 10 wayne what you got for a score i gave it a five um i will say that the falling asleep with the roses in my hand part is just completely brutal. I mean that you can, you definitely, cause I thought it was a little overly sappy, but he, he, when he does, he goes into that part. It's extremely, uh, heart wrenching. Yeah. Yep. I think I mean, it's a very male line to say that. Um, you know, I, I know that, uh, that Ben, you're married and I'm on my way to be married. And I think one of the most tender moments of a relationship are sort of, you know, when you when you put your head down on the pillow to go good night, I think men mostly we sort of check out. We're like, all right, the day is over. But I think especially in, in my relationship, that's sort of a period of time where my, my partner will, will share feelings, you know. And I think that as men, we're kind of like it's shutdown time. And uh, I just think that captures it really well. Now, do I have to fall asleep with roses in my hand? It's kind of like, oh, well, like, what do I have to do at the end of the day? Um I have a song that I'm working on right now where this line is in, in my head all the time. Um, and it's, uh, uh, you, you said it all when, while you were falling asleep next to me. And it's just like this moment that like right before she shuts her eyes, she, she either needs to explain something to me 
or or ask me a question about something on how I'm feeling and I'm just like that's a really interesting and tender moment in relationships so that's where it, that's where it hits me the the women are really good at using bedtime as the time to share <laughs> their feelings isn't that a great time for it no i want to go to bed <laughs> so yeah have you ever have you ever been woken up to be asked a question yes uh yeah <laughs> But I also fall asleep really quickly. And so my wife sometimes forgets that fact. And so she'll start talking to me and then she gets mad at me because she was like, you didn't hear any of it. I was like, sweetheart, I was asleep. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have this funny story. Um, one time she she woke me up with a little shove. She goes, why'd you do that? And I said, well, why did I do what? I'm so sorry. What did I do? And she goes, and she explains something and I go, oh, wait, wait, wait. Was that a dream? <laughs> and she goes, oh, oh, yeah, it was. I'm sorry. I right, go back to bed. And I was like, I, know, I think it's so funny because my immediate reaction was just to be like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> right. Well, what did I do? You're, you've I, learned early in the process, Grayson. You're always supposed to apologize. It's, yes. always, it's always your fault. Just re- as long as you remember that, you will stay married. Wayne... Wayne's I can't still, stay married. Wayne, Wayne, Wayne's still working on that. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. But I will say this: I have, I have, I haven't been woke. She didn't wake me up uh, after a dream. But the next day, when she was telling me the dream, she was clearly upset about the things that were happening in the dream that I did in the dream, and treated me poorly for most of that day and the next over stuff I never, I did inside her subconscious when she was sleeping. Yeah, that, the dreams, the tough one. <laughs> The dreams versions of uh, of ourselves are always big assholes. They're just the worst dudes ever. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And that's not yeah. easy. I, I guess I will <laughs> say the one thing. The one thing that I've learned um, best, and again, I'm I'm just kind of starting this, so I'll let you know if this still rings true for me. But even if they say something that you disagree with. Um, because it's coming from someone you care about, the feelings are automatically valid and therefore need to be respected. So that's where I think we dodged a lot of arguments that maybe a lot of normal couples kind of get into. Because in the back of my head, I might be thinking, well, I could debate this if I really wanted to. But at the end of the day, it came from her and it came from her honest opinion. So it's valid. Right. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, and that leads us up to in repair. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Good segue. Good segue. Stood on the corner for a while to wait for the wind to blow down on me. Hoping it takes with it my own. have many comments on this song other than i i like the first 
there's too many hours in this midnight. I highlighted that as my favorite line off of this. Uh, do you guys know the story behind this one? No. No. So they did, they did this all in one day. Okay. Yeah, I'll share you guys the YouTube video. They got it all on video, but basically uh, John, Steve, and uh, Charlie Hunter, no Pino Palladino this time. Are you guys familiar with Charlie? Um, the name sounds familiar. He plays like a eight-string bass bass guitar where he can do bass lines and like melodic stuff at the same time. Okay. And he wrote this song with John. They basically just um, uh, they got in the studio, and I think they spent about twenty-three to twenty-four hours in there and had it all finished. I think they went back and maybe re-recorded a little bit, but the whole song was done in that entire day. And the video is just really cool because it's it's kind of a artist and creator's dream. I think because, you know, John goes in there and he had all his people go in and set up all of his equipment beforehand. So there's just this one table with like 150 guitar pedals. So he kind of goes through and like picks a few out and then starts playing around with that organ sound. That's actually his guitar okay. oh. through, yeah, through a pedal. And then they just started jamming on that and they had they wrote like an A and a B section and then you kind of see them listening through the music and then John starts to like jot down lyrics and stuff. It's cool. It's a really fun way to see uh, his process. Interesting. Yeah, nice. Now, now I'm going to have to re-listen to it with that uh, production in mind. Um, yeah, I don't have a whole lot of notes on this. I mean, I, <laughs> I, think, the, I think the last couple songs for me... Um, you know, are, are not my favorites on this, but, um, I thought that this would have been a really good album closer because there's a really long kind of a, a, a slow burn at the end of this, um, and a little bit of a jam session at the, at the end of this song. So it would have been a perfect way to close the record out, but, uh, we've got one more to talk about, but I think maybe that, I don't know if that had any say on my score but uh, wasn't one of my my favorite songs on it what was your score so i gave it a three okay and then wayne what do you got uh, on this, this is the one that after <clears throat> that i hastily scored and when i listened to it the last time literally like 20 minutes before we started <clears throat> i i felt horrible because that organ thing which i didn't know it was a it was a guitar which actually kind of in a way makes it even cooler but i started to notice all these little things in there uh, and then there's as an incredibly, you know, like Jimi Hendrix inspired solo in it. And I, I just, I, and this song is much more, like I say, some of the songs I didn't feel like suited him very well. Not that that I'm not the ultimate expert on that, but this one seemed perfect for him. And I just looked at the four and I'm like, I, I wish I had time to go back through and redo this. Cause I, 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 I just a travesty. Yeah. Looking at, Looking at my scores, I, I think I like this song better than Belief, but um, yeah. All right. How about you, Grayson? What you got? Uh, I, gave, I gave it a six. I really do like this song, and I like the, the concept that they did. Um, I think that after learning how it kind of came about, that definitely made me like it more, uh, just because that's a that's a fun thing to do. I don't know if you guys have ever done that, but there's this sort of... Uh, a buzz of energy you get when you finish a song all in one day. Yeah. It, um, you know, Nashville, we, we do a lot of these sessions where we go in and, you know, 
sometimes people don't have enough time and you're like, oh, well, we'll write verse two the next time we get together or yeah, we'll just, we'll finish it out some other time. But when you kind of get it all done and you leave and you said, we made a song, it's, it's this like really fun energy that I chase every time I go into the studio or a writing session. And I think that's why I'm attracted to this one. Um, even though I gave it a six, which is I think halfway, um, I like it. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's wrap this up. So, last song, I'm Gonna Find Another You. I'm gonna find another you. You take your sweaters. You take your time. You might have your reasons. But you will never have my right I'm gonna sing my way away from blue I'm gonna find another you When I was once again, this is this is all about who it reminds me of, and it, this is a total Sam Cooke uh, song, and that is that's never a bad thing to be put lumped in with Sam Cooke. Uh, I think it finishes the album great. I love the fact that it's it's very it's like under three minutes. It's a quick, you know, short and to the point song. With like this one has horns in it, which any uh, I think every Sam Cooke song probably has horns in it. But it's vocally, he it's once again it suits him the way he's doing it. It 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 reminds me of Sam Cooke, but not like he's you know ripping him off. It's definitely heavily influenced like that. And then his guitar bursts are not all all through the whole thing. He's putting them in in specific places, and it just uh, th- those embellishments just helped it. All right, cool. Um, this uh. So most of this record was made in New York or L.A., and it's funny you talk about the horns because the horns were the only thing recorded not in those two areas. The horns were recorded in Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. So maybe a little more bluesy like you're kind of talking about. Good album closer? Yeah, I, I think it was a perfect way to end it personally. Yeah, I think he's uh, he, he, he knows how to close an album out. A lot of my favorite songs that he does are kind of these like little album closers. Um, I think that's a really cool concept too, not to be like, let me just give you one more hit before you go on to something else. It's like, let me wrap up everything I just did sonically and and uh, and lyrically too. It's kind of funny to put this at the end because you think it's the last song and the first thing he says is, it's really over. You know, it's like, oh yeah. no, the record's over. <laughs> so if you think about it like a journey, he's like telling you how you should feel. Uh, he played this last in a lot of his concerts he did on this on this run as well. Okay. Excellent. Um, did I ask for scores yet? I don't think I have. Uh, Wayne, what you got? Oh, this is a nine. And then Grayson? I give this a four because I had to. Because it was the last song and that was the only slot I had left. Yeah. Only number I, I got left. And I feel bad. Uh, my The last number I had when I was scoring was a one. So there you go. Oh, wow. Oh, man. I feel bad. I do feel bad because uh, I don't I don't hate this song. Um, and that's the beauty of this particular record is 
the last several records that we've talked about, Wayne, I can I can pinpoint one or two songs that I'm like, yeah, I'd fast forward through this. There's not a song on here that I would fast forward. Hey, I know, I know Grayson, you fast forward waiting on the world to change. I don't, but you know, so that's true. I don't know. Now I feel bad for saying that, but no, no, no I don't. No, I don't. I don't feel bad for saying that. That's Be my true opinion. To yourself, man. Be yeah. True. yeah. I guess that's the only reason why I think born and raised is a better record. Cause there's no song I'd skip on there, but I would skip one on the continuum. So last thing before we figure out what our top five is. So the single that came out after this record was the song say mm. that also, that also earned mayor another Grammy award for best male pop vocal. Um, and that was on the bucket list, the film, the bucket list. So it wasn't on this record, but it was the single right after that. And I guess there is a special re-release of this record. Yeah. That's the one I have. Um, okay. So say is on that it is. particular re-release. Yeah. So just wanted to throw that out there. Um, if say was on this, this particular release point, um, where would that have stacked up on your scores? Do you think zero? Really? <laughs> yeah. I really do not like that song. Okay. Um, I even think that he's gone on record as saying he didn't really like that song either, but I don't so, know, man. It just so, doesn't hit. It doesn't, I don't think it, it doesn't it doesn't get me like a lot of his songs does. It doesn't like pull me in and teach me something. Yeah, it would have been middle of the pack for me as well, I think. I mean, it's a, it's a nice enough song. Did I'm wondering, did he record this record say for Continuum originally and it was just one of those songs that ended up, you know, hey, I got this extra song who want which soundtrack wants this? Or was it the soundtrack approached him? To write a song. I could have sworn that he wrote this because the bucket list asked him to, but I, okay. that's not me saying I know for sure. Gotcha. Um, I, to me, it doesn't even feel like it belongs on this record. No. Sonically. Like, I'm like, I, I even forgot it was on the version that I had because I pick up the needle as soon as I'm going to find another U is over. Right. Okay. Wayne, how about you? Where would where would say have stacked up in your scores? Um, I don't recall hearing it. Um, say so, what you need to say. Say yeah, what you need uh, to say. You know that. I just feel like if it was written specifically for a movie, then it typically lacks heart. Could be as put it right up there with Toto's Africa. Wow, heartless, heartless, <laughs> heartless. All right, let's get let's uh, let's, let's figure let's figure let's figure out our top five. Um, before we do that, so did we cover everything? Did we did we miss anything on our analysis? I don't think so. I think that's everything I wanted to say. I already told everyone that slow dancing in a burning room that would get our highest marks, so a ten point three three average score. Uh, what do you guys think? Number two is gravity. Yeah, yeah, gravity. Nine point six six. Um, Vultures is third wow. with an average score of nine. And um, let's see what we got. Number four, Heart of Life. That is average score of seven. We got a lot in the six range. So we've got a two-way tie. We got a two-way tie for a 6.66 average score, and that would be Stop This Train and then also... Dreaming with a Broken Heart, which um, my 10 
kind of uh, elevated that one. So we good with that top five or I guess it would be top six because there was two-way tie for number five. I like that. I'm happy with it. Yeah, I can move with that. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, Grayson, this has been fun. Yeah. Like you're revisiting with you. Yeah. Um, the last thing that I want to say is that the, the last words that he has written on this record, they say, if you're reading this with an instrument in your lap, get to work and deepen it. We all need you, which is something I needed to hear today. Ah, uh, that's, that's, that's excellent. Yeah. But I will say that I have maybe judged John Mayer too harshly and that this record has made me curious to hear some other stuff. If this is stuff, if this isn't his best, then I, I'm definitely uh, on the road to listening to some more. Well, your first homework would be to go watch the Where the Light Is concert. Fair enough. That'll take you on a journey. And then your recommendation was Born and Raised? Yeah, if I'm recommending his records, I would recommend uh, going through Born and Raised, front to back. Um, yeah, that's they're all so good. <laughs> and and I and I and I still go back every couple of years. I go I I listen to Room for Squares every so often. So um, I like it. I think it's a solid record. So. Uh, Grayson, remind our listeners where they can find all your happenings. Yep, you can find my music on all the streaming platforms. Uh, just type in Grayson Foster, and hopefully you'll see my pretty face pop up. You can follow me on Instagram at, at I'm Grayson Foster. I post a lot of kind of silly and funny you know, Instagram stories and fun pictures on there, and you can keep up with where I'm playing live shows at. And then if you want to go subscribe to my YouTube channel, I like to make little vlogs and videos of important moments of my life. And hopefully I'll get to, uh, get to make a whole bunch more silly music videos as well. There you go. All right. So last question. And I, uh, I lift this question from a fellow podcaster here in Orlando does the scotch and good conversation podcast. So who do you know that I don't know? who'd want to join us on this podcast to revisit one of their favorite records. And you can't say, you can't say Katie. No, you know, you know, Katie. Um, who do I know that you don't know that would want to come on this podcast and talk about records? Oh man. Uh, my buddy, Mike Avon, who I write a lot of songs with. Um, uh, he's got most of his music out is, uh, it's got a, like a lo-fi instrumental, um, like he makes beats and, and stuff and they do really well. We were talking about playlisting earlier. They do really well on, on, on like study playlists and stuff for concentration. He's really good. He's good at cornering that market. But this guy, uh, he loves talking about music. He loves diving into records and he hears things that I don't all the time. So he's a, he's a great person to, to talk about stuff like that with. Cool. Yeah, his artist name right, is cool. Polar, P-O-L-R, and his name is Mike Vaughn. Gotcha. All right. We'll go check that out. Nice. All right. So as a reminder, you can find all of our happenings on our Facebook page for the Records Revisited Podcast. We're on Instagram using the Records Revisited Podcast hashtag, or you can find us at Records Revisited Podcast, not podcast. Uh, we are now on Twitter at Podcast Records. You can find us Apple Podcasts, Castbox, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Spotify, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You want to go find all of our old episodes? Go to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. Please go subscribe, rate, or review us. We would love that. 
So everyone, thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show, buy a t-shirt of the band, buy a record, visit a record store, and not just on Record Store Day. We are Records Revisited, and we are out. out. out.